Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? We are back for another episode here. Yeah, we have a couple good questions. I'm excited. Feeling good. Yeah, you've been, uh, to quickly recap our past week, I guess you've kind of been back to running a little bit here. Is this like a, a new trend or where are we at? No, I mean, it's the off season, so I'm riding less and easing back into running and strength. Yes, please. Lots of hiking too. We're walking a bunch. Please see our episode two weeks ago on what to do in the off season and how to hit it. And I have to say, I am so excited for the off season to be coming up. Uh, my, my last race of the season is on Friday of this week, uh, which is a very odd time for a race to start, but there you have it. Um, and I admit my brain is, I'm really struggling to like stay focused or actually I'm struggling with the question of how focused do you stay race week? Because I'm kind of in that weird uh, moment of trying to figure out like if I just kind of keep bringing my mind back to the race instead of going starting to think ahead to like what I want to do in the next couple weeks or a few weeks after the race is over you know I have of course naturally now I have all these house ideas work ideas everything else ideas outside of racing uh, that won't get out of my brain and I'm wondering if that's like actually a positive rather than a negative because I think dwelling on the race uh, all this week would be kind of a terrifying thing too. What do you think? I don't know. I guess that's sort of like that inverted U of arousal. Uh, the idea that, you know, everyone, some people are heavy metal people and some people are Zen, you know, people. It's uh, true. Yeah. I mean, if you see me doing my to-do list at like 1255 when the race starts at one, then I am probably a little too far over the, the U curve into the uh, forward thinking and not focused enough on the race mindset but well, that would be under aroused i think you'd be on the yeah, left exactly. side of Sorry, the curve yeah. but yeah yeah i mean but that could be good for you i guess maybe you're you just run a whole race thinking about uh, arts and crafts and so forth i will tell you the only thing that got me through my first iron man training when i was like 22 23 was legitimately just redecorating my house in my head every single run every single ride all i would think about is like rearranging furniture and this that and the other thing and i, I guess i really still continued on that trajectory to be honest but there's probably a mix of that i know there's uh some research out there about you know whether you're trying to distract yourself or whether you're like really focusing during races and there's probably a, a middle ground there where you sort of rotate between you know diso i think it's dissociating and and just really focusing on it i guess right but it probably depends who you are and what you're doing in the race and what you're dissociating from like is it you know an injury or something well, and I guess like, how is it affecting you? Sorry to go off on a bit of a tangent, but I do think this is actually useful, right? Like I, I notice sometimes I get way too in my own head and then I start tripping on little rocks and roots and mm. stuff because I'm not focusing enough on under, the trail in front of me. Under aroused. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it's impossible not to giggle at that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think there's, there's probably a middle ground, especially when we're talking ultra endurance. This race this weekend is 125K, so that's almost 80 miles for those of you who don't speak kilometers, because I don't. Um, so that's a long time to be out there. And if you don't have, I guess, like a bunch of other stuff to think about, it, it's that's going to be tough. I guess, yeah. I mean, the idea, I think, is that if you 
find that middle of the, you know, the, the peak of the inverted U, right? That's sort of going to be your flow state, I guess, right? Where you're optimally aroused and you're focused at an optimal level. You're not hyper-focused on one rock because then you're going to run into a tree. Uh, you know, uh, is that missing the forest for the trees? I don't know. That might be the literal yeah, version. Be. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's the idea. Yeah, you, you want to find sort of that middle ground where you know, you're in it. And then I think time starts going by and probably we've yeah. all felt that, you know, maybe the, I, I find often the first portion of the, the ride or the race takes forever and then you sort of get into it and it, it, it hopefully goes by quickly, uh, or in an enjoyable way. It's not even quickly, right? It's just that you're in it. And that's, if anyone's ever felt that it is, you know, when you're really engaged in a task, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Well, if I run by you and I'm like, we have to add drywall so we can create the podcast studio at one of the aid stations. Um, just, just write it down and just let me, let me roll with it. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, <laughs> I, mean, I think there's probably a piece too, to the people, you know, where you are in the race and what the goals are the race, right? You probably find more of that flow state, I would think towards the front, maybe, you know, you have to focus a little more intently, the speeds up, uh, there's actually, you know, back and forth racing or tactics. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true. And I will say, like, during the 50-miler back in July, I sort of had it in the back of my head that I would put in a headphone and maybe listen to a podcast or two. I had, like, you know, for, for the 100-miler, I had, like, audiobooks downloaded. I had podcasts. I had music. I had everything queued up. And I think I maybe listened to music for, like, 20 minutes, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, yeah, like, you, your brain beforehand, you're kind of thinking, oh, geez, I'm not going to be able to focus on this race at all. But then once you're in it, yeah, you're really just you're, – you're in it. Mm-hmm. And I guess music and podcasts, that would be a way of, you know, trying to distract yourself a little bit uh, from what you're doing and pass the time, uh, which isn't, I, I don't think good or bad, right? I think it's, you know, these are strategies that, that may or may not work. Well, and when you're out for this kind of distance, then there is certainly like a pacing mechanism that you kind of have to, like, you just, you can't be laser focused, like going as hard as you possibly can for 18 hours. That's just not mm-hmm. like possible. Well, and it may... I, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if that makes sense, right? I think that is over, <laughs> over uh, arousal, I guess, or over, right? Like if you were heavy metal, like ready to sprint and then try to, it just that doesn't really make sense. Uh, yeah. I think you would find, you know, I guess like you say, pacing is a good analogy with that. Yeah. And so on the, on the note of pacing, that actually leads us to the first question in today's episode, which is how easy is endurance supposed to be? And this is, you know, I kind of, yeah, yeah, it's funny because when you said it, you said you've been asked this a bunch lately, I kind of rolled my eyes because I was like, I mean, talk test, blah, 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 like, <laughs> right. duh, we know how to do this. Uh, but then I actually started kind of reflecting on it and I was like, oh no, have I not been running endurance? for like the past five years. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure there's a chance that I have not been running endurance. I've just been running like one gear under endurance. And well, now I'm wondering if- I guess if, that's the uh, fear, right? I, I don't fear that as much, but that is sort of the junk miles, uh, you know, you're noodling along. Uh, well, that's what makes me wonder because I haven't really changed my pace for my like quote, easier endurance. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe that's actually another question is like when a coach says like, easy miles do they mean endurance miles or do they mean rest miles um so it's it's sort of a an interesting yeah you almost don't know where to start with this because there's so many different issues that you could be having um i I think the you know i i I don't know that you're gonna that's going too easy is rarely an issue 
Uh, but could it be if you're doing it for like five years and your your easy pace never changes, it never gets <laughs> right. faster, it never improves? I don't know that it changes a lot. Like, I mean, so if we use power, a lot of folks, you know, power sometimes nice because it's, you know, somewhat an absolute number. But I mean, most like I've been riding, you know, around 200 watts most of my career. You know, when I'm pretty fit, I can ride more. You know, when I'm going, you know, less is less. And I think most people self-select a pace for the ride they're doing. So it's it's unusual, I think, to be going too easy. I think your coach, David Roche, would say as long as you're having a great time and you're running consistently. And I think he's right. Like the the big piece is, are you enjoying it and are you doing it on the long term? Sure. But then again, flip side, uh, I do hear him talking about like plenty of his runners who their easy pace is like 730 miles or like seven miles which is not my easy but i'm wondering by far but like right not to say that that's necessarily the goal but like it's easy to say that yes like your pace just settles in when your pace like is 200 watts is a really like like objectively good pace right you're riding at 30 kilometers an hour what is that 22 miles like it is it's like most group rides so it is yeah and that's why i often use that as sort of a rough you know aerobic test uh target or or, you know first goal for folks yeah so when your endurance pace or easy pace is slower than that is there maybe this is actually like an extra question like is there efficacy in trying to speed up your endurance pace or should your endurance pace be getting up to a certain like most pace. obvious, I guess, would be your folks who they try and do the endurance pace and it's not running, it's walking and, and they can't make that jump, which is always an annoying jump, uh, you know, to make. So, again, I, I don't really even know where we should start with this. Um, uh, do we start with actually defining, you know, some ideas for endurance? Yeah, let's maybe start with the question of how easy is endurance. So cause... I like to do let's let's start with, you know, practical, you know, you can get out your pen and paper, make an Excel sheet or look up a uh, calculator. So I think you, you commit to whoever you're training with or whatever program or plan you're following. They're usually going to have some sort of zone systems. Most of them are pretty, you know, they cross over. It's It's not a big difference one way or the other. I have generally used percent of max heart rate, which there's problems and flaws with that, which we try and overcome. And people say, oh, well, what's my max heart? So it's not the, the formula necessarily. I'm at a point in my life where it about is that that 220 minus your age, but we're not you know, generally going to use that. We're going to be tr- trying to be smarter than that. So for most people, we can look at the five second peak you've maybe reached in the last you know, 90 days, maybe the last year, I like to compare and see, you know, what are the last two years versus the last 90 days? Because sometimes that gives you a hint, oh, this person just hasn't gone hard in the last three months. Why haven't they gone? Okay, well, it's January, February, March. Great. Okay, it's base season. It's not abnormal. But we know in July last year, they hit their peak and their big hot race when they were recovered and motivated. So you might still use that, that max uh and again we're, we're the zones are pretty wide so i'm never that stressed it's sort of like threshold power we're not it doesn't really have to in my opinion be that exact to go out and train every day because it's all going to be pretty messy uh, and as long as we're using some of our feeling along with this and just not chasing arbitrary numbers it should be fine uh in training peaks i do like to use the percent of threshold heart rate which i just roughly use as the 30 minute peak uh again depending on the person and the scenario and what they've done in their life um, but you can certainly use your classic 20 minute power or whatever the system you're using. If you're using any of these trainer programs, they're going to have different ways to do certainly the power, if not the heart rate. Um, but yeah, you can usually just pump that in and then they'll give you some rough zones. And a lot of them, again, there's going to be crossover. Uh, you're going to see that endurance zone often called, you know, zone one, two. So one is often called recovery, but it's just, you know, zone one and two, uh, in sort of your polarized three zone system, that's going to be zone one. 
uh, you know, and that's going to encompass the zone one, two of the other zones usually, uh, roughly. So that's the idea. Um, those, now, those are rough zones. For someone who doesn't necessarily have threshold power or heart rate, do you do you stick by the talk test or yeah. RPE or what? Yeah, are, sure. Where are you at? So why don't we do some of these things of like, is your endurance too hard? Because that's probably the the more relevant question. So if you're finding like pe- people think of this as like, I don't know what they think. You know, it's really bad if you go over seventy five percent. Peter said seventy five percent, or you know, any of these things, one forty or whatever the the number is. It's not so much that you're going over; it's that you're only staying. like you're never going under (laughs) right and so we're looking to do the majority of that ride in those endurance zones whatever that means to you uh and and what i see most often is that it's the majority is over that and so then we need to ask well you know can we improve that do we need to slow down uh we can cross-reference that with feeling and maybe power and see often those things give us some hints Right. Uh, and you're talking about the talk test. So this idea that you should be able to talk in full sentences, uh, this is pretty similar to the idea that you should be able to breathe through your nose. Uh, I think that one sometimes gets misused. And for different people, it can be great or, or not. Like if you're not, you know, if you have some sort of restriction in your breathing, then it might not be a fair test. It's also a weird one because no one really talks about how long you're supposed to be breathing through your nose. Right. So sure. It's it's one of those like, <laughs> did it for sure. One round, yeah, too. I can do it for one breath. And now it's quite difficult or you know i can do it for 10 seconds but now i I really would prefer to breathe through my mouth here but does that mean i'm doing it wrong sure and so we sort of get this micro in the workout so i I would say if you can put some i like to even put water in my mouth it gets a little disgusting after a while but you know maybe until the point and it gets disgusting can you breathe through your your nose um but that's that's the idea is is can you run along breathing through your nose comfortably you know and you might find that you actually panic a bit and sometimes this is a great trainer indoor trainer exercise to pass the time is just play with it so if 140 beats or you know for a lot of people if your max heart rate's around say 185 it's going to be around 140 say if that feels too much you can't do it and you find okay i have to pedal at 120 beats a minute to breathe through my nose. Well, that's interesting. If you think your endurance zone should go up to 150, maybe there's something around breathing that you, you know, big, deep breaths through your nose, relaxing your shoulders. And you might actually find that that's an interesting thing to play around with. And that, that might be independent of heart rate and heart rate zones. Uh, but just something around you than even breathing. Right. And that might be perception of breathing or, or actual breathing mechanics or who knows. Uh, so that, that could be an interesting side, but I think that's a good, a good test. You know, I was out running yesterday. I'm not, you know, a professional runner by any stretch, getting back into running. And so I actually did this yesterday. I ramped up. I started walking at 80 beats a minute and then 90 beats a minute. I just slowly ramped by tens. And again, there's that transition from walking to running. That's a little tough. So, you know, you're sort of trying to slow, like I don't not gallop, but you, you get through. And then I ramped up. And so I was aiming for about 140. And then once I got to 140, I said, okay, I'm going to try and run here and breathe through my nose. And it was a little, so I brought it back to about 135, 137. Uh, about again this is running so it's not you know it's bouncing a little bit uh but it, it was funny around 137 i was okay and then you know if i started pushing it a little bit uh and that, that's a tough thing i guess with this endurance right is is you can go faster yeah <laughs> right yeah so that's it's this arbitrary limit so those are on the micro does that make sense yeah although i i do want to flip to the the side where it's too easy and more junk well, miles let's hold on to or, that. or do let's, we have let's hold on i, I just want to say so the other piece that I'm looking for is, are, how are you doing? So that's micro. That's one workout. I ran once yesterday. It was fine. But if I get injured next week and can't run for it, you know, this is our typical cyclist going running in the fall. 
Well, then now we have an issue. Now, now that's a confusing example because that could be more mechanical, right? Like my hamstring hurts a little bit today. So if next week I'm not running, was that an endurance pace issue or was that more like a mechanical load? And you could probably argue that was like in a programming, right? Like uh, you ran too much, uh, you know, you should have maybe done something else. But I do wonder if we're starting to see sickness, illness, inconsistency, the frequency is not high. Then this is where we actually get into, you know, probably more walking and more, you know, in the, in the running example, right? Or maybe backing off, we could actually find better consistency over the long term. And that's, I think, a lot of times where that endurance pace, it isn't obvious because it's not micro. It's in the weeks to months to years that it's like, oh, yeah, that's why that person gets sick all the time. Uh, so so I think if you're a person who gets sick or injured a lot and you're a person who's always riding over whatever the endurance zone is you're supposed to be following by the system you're supposed to be following, you don't have to follow mine. This is a good hint that probably you're, you're doing too much hard endurance. Uh, or at least it's it's an answer that you could try. Right, right. Now, where would terrain come into this? Because, I mean, it is tricky, right? Like if you say, like, go out and do an endurance mountain bike ride or, you know, mm-hmm, someone just mm-hmm. lives in a hilly area, go out and do an endurance road ride or gravel ride or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be kind of a tricky thing. Like, there's only so many gears we have. So where where does that kind of fall into this well, whole? Well, root choice, yeah. Root choice is a big piece. So we, we have hard days and we have easy days. Most plans, this is true, right? So mountain biking is, is going to be hard. There's just no way around that. So those are hard days. Uh, you know, it could be moderate days, I guess, too. But I, I wouldn't necessarily program those as these stricter endurance days. Uh, those are generally going to be your road or gravel, uh, you know, gravel or path or, or whichever, right? It could be a flat double track if you're a hardcore mountain biker. But yeah, I think it gets into route choice. The fitter you get, the more variability you can put into the route probably. But um, that's, that's it. Right. I think sometimes the magic with mountain bikers is if they haven't been road riding, you start adding road riding in and, and all of a sudden they're starting to get fitter. Now, I think the other thing that's coming to mind here is you've mentioned threshold a couple of times as you're talking about getting to the calculation of what endurance is. Now, I think a lot of people will talk about easy, medium, hard. And I think in a lot of people's brains, that's like endurance tempo threshold. But then in some people's minds, it's recovery endurance threshold. Like, or is is endurance actually easy or is endurance easy, moderate? Like there, there's that gear in between easy and moderate or space right. in between. I think again, for the frequency limited folks, um, you know, if you find it hard to ride under 75% or run under 75% or whatever your endurance zone, wherever that limit is under your fat max, under your aerobic threshold, whatever language you want to use. Uh, if you struggle to do your thing, you know, for an extended period without being up into that, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> what do Just you think? Above endurance, I guess. Yeah. So you're asking is, is, does there need to be a lot of zones? Is that what you're asking? Well, I'm almost asking, like, I think a lot of people just think in terms of easy, medium, hard. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm thinking is to me, endurance is actually sort of between easy and moderate mm. because easy to me implies that junk miley recovery run, like, yeah, I don't think I, I I don't think that that's a problem for most people. I think, you know, if you're coasting a lot, then that's obviously, you know, or, or you're standing, you know, you're, you're if you're a runner, you know, um, but I think if you're moving, I'm not overly stressed about it. Again, this is that Steven Seiler TED talk, no pain, no gain, that it's just you want to just keep moving. And if the pace feels right at that easy one, you know, if you're some of these, the, the extreme example I would see is, you know, as we get it tends to be, you know, you get into this really, really long endurance stuff and you're, you're doing a hundred miles a day, 
but you're just noodling. It's taking all day to do it. Uh, you know, we're getting into more of a bike touring thing, which might be enjoyable. But if if the goal of the the person is to be a racer, then this is where we might be concerned about the miles not being spent well, or time isn't being spent well, right? You're taking all day uh, to do it. Your heart rate's at 50%. So we're just not adapting. You might be a very fit person from many, many years of doing that. Uh, but you might not be getting the bang for your buck for your limited training time, but this person has unlimited training time. It sounds like, so I just think it's such a, out of the, the person in the city who maybe could not coast quite as much or something for junk miles. I'm, I'm more stressed usually about the always going too hard on the endurance because that's, you know, the cliche is that you end up not being able to go quite hard in your intervals, right? You're just always regressing to that mean, to that middle ground intensity. Right. I do want to come back to my can you go too easy in endurance question, though. Probably. But again, I don't think it's not for the bulk of people where we're frequency oriented or I would say volume oriented um, or, you know, limited is, is what I mean, uh, where if we ride a bit more or we get our rides in, we're going to get better. When we get into the more elite people who are riding a lot and have lots of consistency over time, probably you want to be concerned about that, that you're out there running. But I, I don't think so. I don't think that those people, you're going to often see it being too easy. They're just, they, they got where they are, right? It would be an odd person who's just a slacker who also, you know, is, is up at this level. Um, and I would challenge you then to go and look. I, I often say, okay, well, go and do your whatever test you think you need to do to, to set your zones. Because uh, it's often been a while for, especially runners, don't, you know, often go out and do like a threshold test. And not every run coach is going to agree with doing that. But see what it is. You, you know, if you have a race, if you have a 10K race, that's great. Or, you know, a big, long hill interval or something you did. And then see where that endurance zone, that we'll call it zone two, it's a pretty wide zone. Um, you know, it covers quite a bit. I'm trying to remember the last time I did that, what it, even the spread was. But it, it's pretty, pretty wide. Yeah, I also just wonder if maybe this is one of those, like, you kind of have that set point, like you said, yours, you know, endurance, 200 watts, whatever. Uh, I wonder if that almost kind of informs how you can expect to do in races and or like what kind of events are going to be better suited for you. So like for me, my endurance pace is not fast. Uh, So I'm not really a great like 10K runner Mm -hmm. by any stretch. But I'm pretty good when it comes to just running for a lot of hours. Why do you see your endurance? I would say maybe your like threshold like pace is not like your muscular endurance. You could say is is that... no. I'd say like my like my everyday run pace is not that fast. Hmm. I think it's okay, but it's probably relevant to your threshold pace. Uh... Well, as I was at like hearing coaches talk about their runners who are in you know like the semi elite or elite whatever that are running. 730s as their easy pace right like mine is not mm. well and you i would guess that your curve is relatively flat because you don't have like a track experience where you're sprinter um but then like you say i guess what you're saying is you know whatever your your 10k pace is, is it doesn't erode very quickly right you have a good resilience where you know out to 100 miles it's not a, a ton different the pace yeah so it's a fairly flat curve because on the left side which is where that like sprint you know your 100 your 10 what was it, 100 meter dash uh you know it's not you know super fast yeah i'm also i I don't know like i just find this very weird as i'm like talking through this like that my run pace and i'm sure a lot of people are a lot of people would have this Mm -hmm. once i once i learned to run say like once i could run five miles in a stretch sure that was 15 years ago maybe a little less than 15 years ago yeah 
I don't think my pace has maybe changed by 10 seconds for a just, you know, casual run. So yeah, it would be something that you could probably test a little bit, right? And you almost wish you could, you know, have this is where the, the lactate proponents or, you know, people who do a lot of testing would, you know, be really interested to see the, you know, that, that testing over time. And I think what you'd see if you went uh, and, and did do that, it would be that, you know, yourself many years ago, maybe was running a similar pace for a little while, but at some point, you know, it would fall off. And this was one of Steven Seiler's ideas of how we could determine that aerobic threshold or the top of endurance pace was really just seeing what, you know, does the heart rate stay stable at a set output? So for your runners, you know, your flat road or a treadmill running at, you know, what is it? You said eight miles per hour, not eight miles per hour like 830 pace okay uh or you know the cyclists are riding at 200 watts whatever you think it is and then if the heart rate you know decouples this isn't necessarily heart rate drift but it decouples during that uh period then the idea is that it's probably too hard uh so then you would go back right and so for you it might be interesting to see that you know if you ran at that same pace maybe you would have started there but it would maybe have fallen off uh, right. This could be a bit of revisionist history on my part too, I guess. Right. Right. And maybe you were running too hard then. And then now it's like, now you can hold that for hundred miles potentially. Right. So there is that resilience piece. And, and when we're talking about endurance, this is where it gets tricky is that we're always looking at for more power, but that's not necessarily, you know, we do want that. We want more speed and stuff. And that, that will come. And I think does come for a lot of us who do it over time, but it is in that repeatability. And, and this could be even be in the, the, you know, your classic CP 20 or threshold test, Sometimes that number doesn't change a ton, but how long we can actually hold that can go out in an individual effort, but also the repeatability, which is probably what we want more. You know, our mountain bikers need to do five laps. So if you can hold, you know, 95% of that uh, output approximately, or, or, you know, any of this, you know, the road racers who do this, the 20 minute at the end of a six hour ride, uh, they're probably more concerned about that, right? Right. So I guess maybe the last thing on endurance is, is endurance pace something that people should be thinking about improving or does that just sort of if it's going to improve it's going to improve like because of kind of other workouts other factors like is pushing the endurance pace to like the top of that uh, uh you know heart rate zone or power zone or whatever are we looking to improve our endurance pace i mean i like that you asked you know, should we be pushing it to the limit, right? And this is some of the zone two training and the aerobic threshold stuff is we always want to max stuff out, but that isn't, it's more just not going over it, right? I said at the beginning, uh, you know, probably the biggest problem is when you're always over it, not that you're dipping over it, you know, for the odd climb, you know, short climb or, you know, whatever. Uh, it's more if you're just always over it and we're pretending like those are the zones. If you don't like the zones, then go figure out, you know, why the zones are wrong or use a different set of zones, I guess. Uh, but if that's what you're trying to do, you're going out, you're saying this is a zone two ride and you're riding in zone three or, you know, which, whatever, right. You're riding moderately when you said you were going to ride easy, then, you know, we need to sort this out. And, and, and is it something that was, was that the goal? If it's not the goal, you don't ha you have to care. Uh, but that's the idea. So is it to be improved? I, I don't think in the same way that maybe you would want your threshold or, or something like that to your 10 K pace to increase. Uh, I, I do like that maffetone idea. And that's all I just described to you where we go out and we run for a steady period say at 140 beats or just under 140 beats if that's the limit under your zone two under your aerobic threshold whatever you believe in uh and then you see what is the power what is the pace and how does it change over say 30 minutes or longer right with some of my unbound and you know big burly i'll just send them and say 90 minutes because you should be able to do <laughs> 
12 hours under that essentially, right? Or, or you know, around that, say. Uh, so it should be an, a good test for them. So does it improve? I think so, but I think, uh, yeah, so the, the, the key is, yes, I think so over time and the resilience, the long period you can hold it over time improves. Certainly our, our folks who can't run under that pace to start should see a very obvious improvement. And then like everything, the improvements are less noticeable. They're not linear as you keep going. The, the most important thing though, I think is that we, for all of us, we're running easier you know under that low intensity so that we can continue we can train often and with good consistency and hard enough and this is for our expert people that's the the real piece the discipline and the, uh, the uh, steven seiler calls that intensity discipline at that expert elite level you need to be so disciplined because it if you just are dipping over and dipping over and dipping over then it, it does have a, an effect on how hard you can go and then it has an effect on the adaptations you get Right. Okay. Fair enough. I feel like we've we've put endurance into the ground here, or I've I've well, dug... hopefully made a little sense to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Uh, that's it. And I guess I'll, I'll say you know if if this is something that people struggle with, you know, getting running or or you know they always find that they, their heart rates they're a hummingbird. Uh, there's lots of ways to go about this, and there are exceptions, right? Like there are people that use eighty percent as the the limit for their heart rate, and that makes sense when you start looking at different, uh, you know, looking at the numbers. Oh yeah, you, you know your aerobic threshold might just actually be that high. So it's a great phone consult where we can go through your data uh, if you are confused about it, right? Don't don't keep frustrating yourself and not doing it. Uh, you know, let's figure out something that works for you with that as well. Perfect. All right. Before we get into our next question, we're just going to take a quick break. Just taking a quick break from today's episode to talk about today's sponsor, Ian Brisbane of VeloLaw.ca. So some of you might remember Ian from the podcast we did with him back in June where we were talking about all things bike law, talking about what to do if you're in an accident, how to deal with the police, really just some practical tips for helping you ride a little bit safer on the road. So Ian has over 20, experience, or 20 years of experience acting for people injured through negligence of others or denied the insurance benefits they deserve. He is also a lifelong athlete and cyclist, so he really understands the issues that cyclists face while out riding. Uh, he not only rides road, he also rides gravel, cyclocross, he's a commuter, he rides some mountain bikes, and he's of course done an Ironman, which we talked about all in the um, all about in the episode with him, where we were chatting about how on earth he makes time for that, plus a busy law practice. So about VeloLaw though, VeloLaw is a unique cycling injury and advocacy firm with a traditional personal injury law firm. So that means if you do have an issue on the bike, Ian can really help you get that straightened out, figure out what's going on and what to do next. So you can check out velolaw.ca to find out more about him. He's Ontario-based, so anyone in Ontario, this is definitely a great resource to bookmark just so you have it. But we've also created a PDF with Ian that is a little printable pocket-sized or saddlebag-sized uh, PDF where you can fill out all of your information that you might need in the event of an altercation with a car, an accident, just anything where you might need some insurance information on hand, uh, where you might need just those bullet points that tell you what to do in case of an emergency because we've all been there. You know, you have something happen and you're in shock and you maybe just don't know exactly what you should be doing in the moment. This card has sort of the play-by-play play what to do what photos you want to get what information you want to collect just to make everything a little bit smoother and hopefully go a little bit better for you so head to the show notes to get the link to that 
And of course, head to velolaw.ca to learn more about Ian and bookmark that just in case you ever need it. All right, back to the episode. Okay, last question here. Where should I do my workouts? And this one actually came from from you and I having a bit of a debate over this the other day. Uh, so I was contending that uh, doing workouts on trails, like I, I am a trail runner here, and I was contending that doing workouts on trails is kind of iffy because it's very hard to find a spot where you can you know, go hard for X number of minutes. We have very hilly trails in our area. It's very up down. Plus, trails just naturally are slightly speed limiting if they're on the rockier, rootier side. So it's a little harder to go hard when you are trying to like pick your way over rocks, creek crossings, roots, etc. Uh, but then the argument, obviously, a flip side of that is, well, if you're a trail runner and you're racing on trails, uh, shouldn't you know how to go hard mm-hmm. on trails? So take it away. I mean, probably as always, it depends, right? It's who you are and what you're trying to do. Uh, and probably the time of year uh, matters as well. But uh, so we're, we're talking about off-road. So this is probably similar for trail runners, uh, any off-road cycling disciplines, I think, as well. Uh, but then even within that, there would be shades of gray, I guess, right? Because a, a gravel cyclist isn't really, you know, it's not as limiting terrain-wise for how hard you can go. But I guess what, what would be the issue, right, is... is you know, if you're a really legit runner, you probably can't wind it up as hard as you could, you know, probably true for cyclists too, right? Your fittest mountain bikers maybe can't wind it up the same way they might on a road climb or, or something like that. You certainly can't go as fast as you could on a flat road uh, or a running track for the runners. So I guess, you know, the elite coaches, the Olympic level coaches would say, you know, their athletes need to get this physiological stimulus, right? This turnover for the runners or, uh, the really high wattage sustained for this exact amount of time. That's why people would do it on the road or even the indoor trainers now and the treadmills, right? They have to be so perfect and controlled uh, and isolated with that. So I think that probably makes sense sometimes to do it that way uh, for the physiological benefit, right? The training stimulus. Yeah. So there's pro- the answer is probably both make sense. Sure. Yeah. I guess my contention, so I, I agree with that and use it all the time. Like sometimes you need to do road hill intervals. I think there's probably, you know, in the shades of gray, we could often use, you know, a ski hill climb and, and it, uh, there's different t- steepnesses. You could use, you know, certainly just an off-road trail, I think for a lot of people, right? You see a lot of marathon runners actually training on gravel roads, you know, to try and get less impact, I think is why they do it. Probably more fun as well, or or just what they have, you know, when they're at these altitude camps uh, as well. So I I think you do see people getting, you know, quote unquote off-road for them. Now for, for a trail runner, would you say the rail trail that I do my intervals on, would that be like is that sort of a middle ground answer or is that still like more I don't know. roady? Like, I, I guess probably for you, it would be good to do speed where you actually have really high traction and don't have to think at all, I guess. But I mean, it's pretty dead straight and pretty good traction. But probably the argument would be that if you got onto like a, an actual running track or pavement, you'd, you know, there, it would, you'd go faster, I guess, right? It'd yeah, be more challenging. Sure. Uh but yeah, I mean, it's probably fine. It's just like the road. There's just no cars, right? And it's flat at least, right? Where the road gets that that canteen where everyone gets IT band tendonitis or something. Uh, but I guess, you know, if we look at the other extremes, sometimes the extremes are the best, right? So it's like I only do the indoor trainer for my intervals as a cyclist. So I never have to look where I'm going and I never have to balance my bicycle, 
uh, or worry about my route, you know, navigate myself. Uh, you know, I can probably keep my water bottles on a table. So I never need to take food out of my bottles. Uh, I never wear the clothes or deal with any inclement, you know, any weather, uh, don't have to pump my tires up. So you can see where, you know, I always try and do this exaggeration where it's like, and then I go to the race and I lose because I didn't know what clothes to wear and I couldn't balance my bike and I didn't know how to steer around the trees and I didn't, you know, know the air pressure in my tires. So you can see how like I, um, you know, the extremes sometimes are <laughs> illustrative of, is that what we actually mean? Uh, Cause then in, you know, then you could say, well, this runner was really fit, but they like kept rolling their ankle and, you know, not being good going down hills or, or something like that. So it's like, well, if you would have done your intervals going uphill and then you had to navigate yourself down the descent to do your next interval, you would have figured out how to descend pretty quick. I bet if you did that for three or four seasons. So I think that's where my contention is that we probably need to do the sport and it needs to look like the race. But I think good coaches would have, you know, especially as the race approaches this specific period, they would have, you know, intervals on trail uh, around the race intensity, but, but you do see that as an error we make in programming sometimes. Yeah. So when you're programming people, have you realized like you're, do you do more prescriptive, like ideally done on trail, mm -hmm. like, but you know, here's sort of plan B option B, because I mean, the other problem with trail, especially for off-road cyclists, off-road runners is it is weather based, right? Like you can't yeah. always ride trail. You don't always have access to trail often you know, our workouts are more midweek. Like my, my intervals are on Wednesdays, long runs are on the weekends. So that means Wednesday, you know, driving to a trailhead is not totally possible for a lot of people. Yeah. And I mean, your key workout on Saturdays usually is on trail and yeah, and like long run on is, trail. I mean, again, your intensity is sort of long run and then you do sometimes have like moderate finishes to those, right? Yeah. Like a chunk in there that's supposed to be moderate, slightly hard. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, it is tricky when you're talking about hundred mile and 50 mile racers, right? You're, you're getting a lot of that by doing the thing for an extended period of time. Yeah. But I do have straight up traditional intervals on Wednesdays and typically speaking, I'm not doing them on trails. So I guess like the question right. was and that's less probably, about the long run. But more I think, about... yeah, but I mean, I think your though, that's your two key workouts though. And I think that does demonstrate like there is like you do both. <laughs> it's probably, right. you know, David's wisdom there is that there's, you know, the physiological workout and then the specific workout. And, and again, over the course of the season, you'd probably see those evolve and, and, and change and go one way or the other too. Right. Um, what I like, and this is more of a mountain bikey cyclocross gravel thing, uh, for cycling, I, I do, you know, try and push people to do more and more because I do think that the, all those joke, you know, the things I started with the exaggerations of the like tire pressure and the bumps and the, you know, Oh wow. It's really hard to pedal when it's bumpy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly it, isn't it? Uh, but we're still going to do 300 Watts. And if you don't do that, you're going to get dropped. Right. And then, Oh yeah, there's, you know, corners that when you're going 35 kilometers an hour, uh, on gravel. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. You never did that. Oh, cause you were never going that fast. Right. Uh, so it's, 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 it's pretty specific. It's to the skills, but I, I mean, that's my bias, but I, I do think that it's worth for these off-road cyclists to do things like off-road time trail. So rather than four by eight up, uh, just a gravel climb or road climb, which maybe I do that on a Wednesday. And then on the Saturday, maybe we actually go to a trailhead, set up a little loop, and we do, it's just a mountain bike race. You do intervals like this. People always say, well, I can't keep the power up or the heart rate up. Well, I'm like, well, look at your race file. I bet you it was just pinned the entire time. So, I mean, we certainly can go hard for off-road. Uh, and I think you, uh, on a bicycle, you find, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, and again, we can, we can bias this towards the physiological, certainly just by choosing, you know, a more uphill route. It, you know, here locally, we have a 10-minute, 
mountain bike single track climb that I can go quite hard. Uh, but it's physiological, but there is technical, right? There's traction, there's little bridges you have to pump through and a couple logs to hop on, you know, and there's little dips. You got to shift, uh, stand and sit. So it's, I, I think you can make it off road, but you can choose your route. Like don't, you don't choose a downhill <laughs> to do your, you know, so there are some of these things that are, are I guess, implicit in doing off road intervals, but I think it's very possible to do, you know, a hard, you know, a hard interval off road. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? But that I does. do think, you know, as I, as I thought through this, I do think that like there is a, and I need to remember this, right. There's probably a time in the season where you could go and do a flat pavement, you know, whatever interval you believe in on flat where there's the turnover is high. You need, you need to make the power on your own. Cause the speed's up quite high and you need to stay on top of the power. And, and this would be running, right? If I do a 32nd or whatever interval on running uphill, no problem. But if I put it on flat ground, I can't keep up with the turnover. Uh, again, cause I not, <laughs> not a super fast twitch, you know, bouncy runner. So again, would that be benefit for me? Probably, probably it would be right. It's true. I tend to love the uphill intervals because there's like a bit of just like, oh, you're just going as hard as the hill dictates. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it does it a little bit for you. Right. And, and this is, again, you know, when we look at who we're talking about, the elites, you know, probably the track workouts and all that stuff makes sense. The road stuff, probably even trainers, I guess, you know, again, just so you can absolutely challenge that physiology. But I do wonder for other folks, you know, when we're looking at people who, you know, when they run, it's, it's basically intensity. Uh, you know, the second they're off road, it's very, very hard. You know, this is going to be super fun. Then they get to go off road and they don't even have to really think about the workout, right? They just go run up the mountain today. And that's your threshold intervals. It's pretty simple, right? And I like that for our beginner folks, right? Today, you know, you're going off road hilly tomorrow is just flat. You know, as you say on the rail trail, it makes the training pretty simple. And I think, you know, when we're trying to get folks running or riding consistently, that's really nice, right? It's just <laughs> off-road and hilly, flat. And alternate those and you'll probably do okay. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Okay, well, I think we should wrap up on that note. Hopefully those questions were helpful for everybody uh, as we head into the off-season here. Uh, if you have any other questions, definitely shoot us a message over at consummateathlete.com or just DM us at consummateathlete on Instagram. If you're not following us over there, head over and give us a quick follow. Uh, and of course, if you love this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, et cetera, et cetera. We deeply appreciate all of you for doing that. All right. Thank you so much and have an excellent week. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 